today, we're, you kind of be wondering, after he just gave this commandment of loving one another, he says he's going, they can't come, but while he's gone, you are to do this, you are to love one another, it's by this, by loving one another, that people are going to realize that you're my disciples, that you belong to me. And now all of a sudden, there's Peter, right? So all of a sudden, it's this change from this great commandment of loving one another to now Peter, once again, opening up his mouth. Um, but what, what we see here is, is extremely important. Three verses that serve us as a little heads up as we follow Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at John 13, 36 to 38. The title of the sermon is Seeds of Denial. Shark Bay, Australia actually should probably consider a name change uh, to Seagrass Bay since the largest resident is not the great white predator, but a seagrass meadow. The seagrass meadow is as large as 20,000 football fields. At 77 square miles, it's three times the size of Manhattan, and it could possibly be 4,500 years old. They were curious about this seagrass field. They wanted to know more about it, so they did some research. Jane Edgelow, Ed, Edgelow, I think her name is, and colleagues took samples from several stalks. They wanted to find out how many individual plants made up this large seagrass meadow. It spreads for about 110 miles throughout the giant inlet. She said when, when they did the research, the answer to their question absolutely blew them away. One. One seed, one plant, that many miles. It instantly became the world's largest plant. It's expanded, as I said, over 112 miles in Shark Bay, making it the largest known plant on Earth. It's very resilient, experiencing a wide range of temperatures and salinities, plus high light conditions that would really put to death any other plant. Can you believe that? One seed took root and caused that much plant, that, that much coverage. Now, we can take encouragement, can't we? Because God's word is compared to a what? Seed, right? An imperishable seed. Nothing is going to stop that seed from growing in our hearts and bearing fruit in our hearts. But also, we have to be warned because what else can be compared to a seed is sin. There are certain seeds of sin that we can cultivate in our lives, that we can nourish, that we can feed into, and we can allow those seeds to take root in our hearts, and the fruit of that seed is very, very, very destructive. It can cover a great amount of territory in our souls. It's very hurtful. 
And it can lead to behaviors like even denying Jesus Christ. Why does God put this here? We talked about that earlier. Why is this here? It seems out of place. And look at who this has to deal with again. And I, I think we're going to see at the end of this that God is giving us a warning. Before we go and follow Jesus, we need to understand the temptations, the seeds of sin that can take root in our hearts to choke that life out of us. Again, he uses Peter as this illustration. No other disciple in, is mentioned more in the Gospels than, than Peter. One commentator notes that in all the lists in the, all the Gospels, right, Peter is always listed first. In all the lists of all the Gospels, listed first, Judas is listed last, and the guys in the middle are, are kind of switched around. All the Gospels speak to the primacy of Peter, his importance, he's a leader, and no apostle, this is the commentator, bothered our Lord more than Peter. He adds, sometimes when Peter opened his mouth, it was merely just to change feet. That, and that, <laughs> I love that. And that is exactly, exactly, Peter doesn't disappoint here because that's exactly what Peter does right here. He goes from the foot washing foot, right? And after everything that he went through, and Jesus corrected him in that, now, now, now Peter says this. But we, we see here it's a very valuable lesson, and it's a lesson not to follow Peter. That sin and the sin of denial, sins don't occur in a vacuum, folks. They don't occur in a vacuum. They're nurtured sometimes over a period of time. They're cultivated in our hearts. And these two seeds play a huge part in this sin that Peter engages in. The first seed that we're going to look at today is an unwillingness to follow God's plan. Verse 36 in John chapter 13. So, Jesus just said to them, By this love all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter, here he comes, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. The first thing that you and I need to see here is Peter's absolutely clueless. P Peter... <laughs> Peter has not been listening to what Jesus is saying, nor really have the other disciples. So what this begins is a series of four conversations that Jesus is going to have with four different disciples, right? All of those conversations kind of center around his departure. What have they forgotten already? What Jesus just said. Jesus just gave them the greatest commandment of all time. I love this. This is a Bible study I think you can order, and it's based off of the 12 Angry Men book, right? It's 12 clueless men. Eternal life is in their hands. Self-interest is in their hearts. Uh, what, a great, what a great comparison. The, these guys sometimes, you would think that they're just not paying any attention to what Jesus is saying. Jesus has said it before. I'm, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to the one who has sent me. 
you, you guys can't come along right now, but I, I have stuff for you to do. While I'm gone, you guys need to do this. And now he says it to Peter in a different way, but almost the same thing. Peter, guess what? You can't follow with me right now. You're going to follow with me later. And as a matter of fact, when he says that, I think he's referring to the way Peter is going to die. You're going to follow. Don't worry, Peter. You'll be with me. But guess what? Right now, I have a plan for your life. And it doesn't include you coming with me. Peter's, I think what you see here and, and what you see right after this, Peter shows his unwillingness to follow God's plan. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Why? He has a plan of his own. So do the disciples. Guess what? And they don't include Jesus' dying or death. What do they want Jesus to do? They want him to take over the Roman Empire. They want him to overthrow the Roman Empire. And Peter said, whoa, whoa, wait a second, Jesus. You're, you're, you're off script, brother. You're, you're not following this plan. This, where are you going? It's more like, why are you going? You don't, where are you going that I can't come with you? Why are you doing this? Why are you leaving us? This doesn't make sense. It's not part of the plan, Lord. Let, let me redirect you. And we know Peter's unwillingness because of what he says right after this. Peter has a different idea what it means to follow Jesus. What's, what's his idea? It's his plan. It's a worldly method. It is fighting. It is dying in a glorious battle. That's what Peter wants to do. Peter, and we know Peter does that, right? Peter wants to fight. So do the rest of the disciples. They're clueless. Clueless to what Jesus is saying. But worse, they're going to try to change him. Peter's going to try to change Jesus' plan here. And get Jesus on track with what he thinks needs to be done. He's unwilling to hear what Jesus has to say. Even he, he takes Jesus' reassurance of you being with me, and he's like, I'm not going to have any of that. You know what his problem is now? Now. I want this now. I am not going to wait for this later, Jesus. We're going to do this my way, and we're going to do it now. But we can skip over that, right? Because we don't need to... We don't need to talk about how we do that in our own lives, do we? I can skip over this part, or maybe, maybe not. I know I need to talk about it, because I do the same thing. You heard about the guy who ordered a, a mail, a, a, ordered a, a birdhouse from the mail company. I don't know if you heard this story. Instead of sending him the plans for a birdhouse, they sent him plans for a sailboat, right? So what's he have on, in his mind? He has a birdhouse in his mind, so he's trying to put this thing together, and he's like, what, this is... The dumbest birdhouse ever. He couldn't figure out how to do it. So he sends it back, right? And they, they sent him an apology letter, and they said, if you think it was difficult for you, can you imagine the guy who was trying to uh, sail the birdhouse? And I think that's often the case with us, with our plans, right? We, we have an idea. When we begin to follow Jesus, you and I have an idea of what those plans are going to look like, right? I got it all mapped out, Lord, right? I, I hand it to God every week. Monday morning, hey, Lord, here you go. Let me know what you do with this. And I have an idea in my head of what things should look like, whether it's in ministry or it's in life or whatever it is. And when those plans begin to not work out, we're like, 
whoa, wait a second, Lord, can you take this back? You sent me the wrong plans. This isn't, this isn't adding up right now. As a matter of fact, I, I, I have a, I have a real-life illustration for this. It's weird how this past week God has been just giving illustrations in my life to happen. So one of my jobs when my daughter was gone for a week was to uh, build, I had two jobs, not just one, two jobs, put in a light and build a bookshelf, right? So you order the bookshelf and you get it from Target, one of the better stores around here. And you get that lovely bookshelf. And I already know at this point in my life what I'm about to face, right? I hate those things. I hate those directions. You pull out those directions and you're like turning that all which way and you're like, so I start step one, right? Step one, I begin to put this bookshelf together and step one, I'm struggling and I'm like, this isn't lining up. Sarah's in the room. She's painting or doing something, fixing up the room. I'm like, this is so stupid. And I'm like looking at it. I'm trying to line it up. And you know what my conclusion was? And you can ask Sarah. She can testify this. I said, they're wrong. <laughs> I said, these guys who've, who've made millions of these things, who do this for a living, who've sent these things all over the place, they have, they've messed up the instructions. They're wrong. It doesn't make sense. So what do I do? I fix it because they're wrong. So there was these holes, and it wasn't fitting in. What? You get a drill, right? I just make, the, just make the holes bigger because they're wrong. So, right, and drilling away at the bookshelf. Five steps later, who was wrong? I was wrong. I'm sitting there telling Sarah, I'm like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. These things coming, you know, and particle board. I hate particle board. It falls apart so easily. And, and then, so that was the first thing. So the first instruction, right, read and understand, right? I read the, the understanding part by no means whatsoever, right? Because it, it, I tried to fix it my own way. And then before starting, assembly may be difficult, right? Correct order, right? So yes, it became difficult. Why? Because I, I messed things up. The second part that I didn't read, right, which I actually, I did read, I know about, and I hate that one. It says, don't use a power drill, right? to screw in the screws. So I hand screwed them for a little bit and then I just got, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm grabbing it, right? There you go, there you go. That's what happens, right? Right through the particle board because why? I forced my way. Folks, we often think when it comes to the plans that God lays before us that we know better. We know better than the one who created us. That we know how to do it better. He's wrong. We can modify it. We can change it. We're going to drill some holes where they don't belong. That's what Peter's going to do. He's sending back the plan. Lord, I don't want to I don't want to wait. I don't want to do this now. I'll tell you what, right now, in, in my life, in, in this, in, in all of it, ministry, life, family, those plans aren't the way that I think they should be. At all. 
pandemic? I'd send that plan back in a heartbeat. That's not what I signed up for, Lord. Lord, this doesn't make sense, Lord. Sicknesses? Whatever it is. Things look drastically different. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Maybe it's not what you think it should be, though. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a relationship that's not working out or not happening. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's school. Be really careful. We have to be really careful. Because this is where it opens us up to temptation. To want to do things our way when we're unwilling to follow what God has placed before us. To change things. We can't let this seed grow because we become ripe for sin. Peter thinks that our Lord should take over the government, that he should fight and restore the kingdom in that way. And Jesus is saying to him, and he says this kind of to all of us, look, right now, this is what I have for you right now. Things are going to get better. I promise you, one day they're going to be great because you're going to be with me. But right now, I need you to hear what I'm trying to tell you. Right now, this is what I have for you. Our response is is a submission to that because what happens, what happens when things don't go according to plan? Doesn't that happen? When our expectations aren't met, listen to what Christy Brinkley says about marriage. 57-year-old former supermodel had turned sour about marriage and love. After divorcing her first husband, she married Billy Joel, 1985. At at first, she says, our marriage was a blast. We were literally singing all the time together, but they divorced in 1994. Brinkley then married Ricky Taubman, who had been in a heli- helicopter crash with, with Brinkley. And she said, I even named a perfume after him, number three, num- perfume number three. She called it Believe, because I still believed in love. But after her third divorce and her fourth divorce, Brinkley claimed, I can now say unequivocally, I would never get married again. And if she ever designed another perfume, she would rename it, she would name it Stinks after marriage because she thinks marriage stinks. What's the common denominator in those marriages? It's Christy Brinkley. Now, I don't, I'm sure that those individuals contributed to some discontent, right? But what happens? We have an idea. We have expectations, whether it's marriage, ministry, church, uh, friendships, following Jesus, all of that. We have an idea. And when it doesn't match our expectations or our idea, we're like, I'm done with this. I'm done. This is not what I signed up for. That's exactly where Peter is at. We throw it out. We throw it all out and we say, forget it. It's not worth it. It's not going according to my plans. It's not going according to my expectations. That seed brings forth a very, very bitter 
root. And it's a seed that can lead to us walking away and denying Jesus Christ. It's a very, very dangerous spot. That's exactly where Peter's at right now. But it's, it's got a friend. It's got a little help from another seed, which is an overconfidence in one's flesh. Verses 37 through 38. Peter's response. He sounds like a little, he sounds like a little kid. Lord, why can't I follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Really, Peter? That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Really? Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. So now we see what happens with Peter. We see two things, unwillingness, overconfidence. Peter thinks not only, not only does Peter think he has all the answers, right? Peter thinks he has all the ability. Peter thinks, as a matter of fact, we have to see the irony of what he is saying to Jesus. Peter thinks that Jesus needs Peter, <laughs> that that. That's a chosen Peter. I don't know if that's what really what Peter looked like. But look at that look. He's a man of business. He thinks that he, he is Jesus' what? Savior. That's, that's the irony of what is happening here with Peter. Not only does Peter have a better plan for Jesus, he actually is Jesus' muscle. He's his strength, and he needs Jesus to have him lay down his life for Jesus. That's where Peter is at. The irony and pride could not be greater. Not only, as I said, does it reveal his unwillingness to listen, but his independence of Jesus Christ. That is when you and I are our most vulnerable when we think we got this. When we think, oh God, you need me to, (laughs) Lord, I'm really glad you called me to Galilee because, man, you really, you just, you know, it's a good call, Lord. I'll see why you did that. Right? You you need me, Lord. I'm indispensable. I mean, come on, without me, That's what Peter is saying. I, you need me, Jesus, to protect you. And, and we're, he's missing the entire point. It's crazy. The commentator says this. Tragically, the boast that he could never deny our Lord, because in the other Gospels, right, in another Gospel, Peter replies to what Jesus says, and he says, nope, not going to happen. He says, tragically, the boast that he would never deny our Lord, even to the point of death, displays not only a gross ignorance of human weakness, but a certain haughty independence that is the very seed of denial itself. There you go. He, he, he's independent. He's got his own agenda, and he's got his own strength. He, matter of fact, Jesus should be his disciple. 
That's what Peter's saying. And how often do we do that in our lives? We're forgetting who He is. We're forgetting how much we need Him. And we're thinking that we can just handle absolutely anything. John Orberg tells this story. He says, when we were, we were with friends at an open-air street fair, and we spotted a mechanical bull. <laughs> we, know, we know where this is going, right? We've spotted a mechanical bull that tries to buck people off. So the guy who's operating the bull goes to John, John Ortberg, and he's a pastor writer. I'm sure you've heard of Ortberg before. He said, the guy, the operator, says watching it isn't nearly as fun as riding it. So that's the hook, right? I mean, you say that to a guy in front of a mechanical bull, it's over with, right? So I told the bull operator, he said, I want to take a ride. He took a look at my middle-aged body, and he goes, are you sure? Now, what do you think happened? Did he back down? Oh, no. At that point, he's like, dude, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm joining the PBR, right? Professional bull run. I am, I am in or whatever it is. So he explained to him that the bull has 12 levels of difficulty, right? 12 level. He goes, it might not be easy. He said, there's a key, though. You've got to stay centered on the bull. You've got to follow the bull, shift your gravity as the bull moves. And the, and the guy's or person, I got this. I got on the bull, and it started slow. It started moving faster and jostling around. I was holding on real tight, and then I remembered his advice to loosen up, right? So he said, he's going. I'm going back and forth. The bull's trying to buck me off. I'm hanging on sideways. I'm flying all around, right? Waving the arm, you know, probably letting out a yahoo or something like that. And then he says, and then all of a sudden, it begins to slow down. And he's thinking, I did it, right? And he's thinking, slows down, stops. And he's, he's like thinking to himself, man, that operator's going to be real impressed. So he takes a look over at him. He sees the operator, and the operator's shaking his head. And he goes, congratulations. That was level one. <laughs> Whatever the level is, right? So Peter's, Peter doesn't understand what's, what's happening here. Peter has, has his own idea of what he can face. Whatever the level is, we need God's strength to be able to handle those levels. We may think we can handle all the levels of temptation, but Peter is going to be placed in a very different level. And the level that Peter is placed in has to do with his unwillingness to follow Jesus. Remember what Jesus says to Peter, uh, what he says to the disciples in the garden, what is a form of dependence? Prayer. He says to Peter, pray so that you may not fall into temptation. Peter and the disciples, of course, are sleeping. They're thinking, okay, whatever, maybe they heard it, maybe they didn't pray. He, Jesus also says another thing. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. What comes before a fall? Pride, pride. Pride comes, or a haughty spirit, right? Haughtiness, independence, self-reliance, all of that comes. When we see that in an individual, you can almost guarantee, right? Okay, this guy's going down. 
Right? It, happens, it happens all the time. I think I remember sharing at one point when I played hockey, right, and a guy pushed me or did something. I got all mad, right, and there I am on my skates, and I stood right up to him, and then all of a sudden my skates went right out beneath me. So I was like, okay, Lord, good lesson. When we puff out our chest, our feet are going to be knocked out from underneath us. Peter, Peter's not ready for the levels that he's about to face. Here's my question. What happens to Peter? Why? Why, why does Peter deny him? Here's my other question. Was Peter really willing to die for Jesus? Yes, I think he was, just not in this way, not this way. Peter wanted to die for Jesus in a blaze of glory because we know he took out his sword and he, he goes after him, right? He's ready for what? He's ready for a fight. He's ready to do it according his, to his own plan. When, when Jesus then gives himself over, hands himself over to the authorities, and Peter's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. This is not what I signed up for, Jesus. That's when he's ripe for temptation. Peter wasn't ready for this level 12. Peter wasn't ready to die for Jesus on a regular basis. Peter wasn't ready for the humiliation that comes along with the cross. Peter wasn't ready to die to self-interest, to die to his own plans, to die to his flesh. He wasn't ready for that. Peter wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. Peter's name wanted to be known as the guy who defended Jesus and ushered in the kingdom for Israel, and we're all guilty of that. I remember when I, when I first became a Christian and Felt the Lord put, place a calling on my life. What did I want to do? I wanted to go and die in Africa for him. I told my sister that I may not come back, right? I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be that guy that the students in the Bible college are going to read about in the books. The one who's like, oh, wow, what a name. You know, there's Mark's name up on, you know, what he did for the Lord. It's absolutely incredible. Was I ready for dying on this level? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not not ready. Not ready to face what we've been facing over the past couple years. Not ready in the least. And what's it make you want to do? Makes you want to jump ship. This isn't what I signed up for. This is, this is not the dying I was thinking about. You know, I talk, chop off my head, I'm done, I'm in glory with Jesus, right? Okay. That's the easy death. That's the easy death. The daily death, the dying to self, the dying to self-interest, our own plans, allowing Jesus, that, that period of time, now and later, allowing Jesus to map out that entire now. That's, that's the hard part, isn't it? That's the hard part. We'd rather all go down in a place, we'd rather fight than love. Because that's what he told them to do. It doesn't say, they're going to know you are my disciples when you fight for me. It says, you're, they're going to know my disciple, you're my disciples when you love, like I loved you, which is what? A self-sacrificial death, which points back to the cross, which is what we need. 
We need Jesus to lay down our lives, His life for us. Because that's the power and the strength. That's where, that's where it comes from. Trusting the flesh profits absolutely nothing. Don't let this world fool you, folks. Don't, th- this is the absolute opposite of what the world is telling you, isn't it? They're telling you, yes, you can. They're telling you, yeah, you, you know, self-confidence, self-esteem, you can do it. Just put your mind to it. You can accomplish anything. Set your own plans, set your own dreams, and then go out and get them. No, don't do that. Please don't listen to the world. We're in a culture that is pouring that into our heads, that you and I are enough. He's enough. He's enough. And we need to weed out that seed of self-sufficiency and pride. When Jesus says this to Peter, it only strengthens his resolve, just like that bold operator guy said it to John Ortberg. I'm not going to deny you. If, even if they all fall away, Lord, I'm your man. I'm the guy. That's his problem. That's his problem. The key to fight against this is submission and humility. Submission to what God has laid before us. We may not understand it. We may not like it. But He's giving it to us for a reason. It's the now. The later's coming. He gives us reassurance. He tells us one day it's all going to change. One day it's going to get better. But right now I need you to do this. I need you to follow this path because this is what it means to follow me. It means we die to ourselves, And that, my friends, that's a really, really hard death, isn't it? And that's a death that Peter is just unwilling to engage in at this point in his life. As of May 2021, uh, the U.S. Earthquake Early Warning System can issue earthquake alerts to cell phone users in California, Oregon, and Washington. It's called MyShake App. It's an early warning system that aims to let people know about an incoming shaking so that they can have at least a few seconds to find a safe spot to ride out the earthquake. The alert system is successful because communication systems, right, are now faster than the speed of shaking waves moving through the ground. The earthquake early warning system could also give residents in the Pacific Northwest as much as 80 seconds warning. Uh, for a magnitude 9 earthquake. It was tested uh, a few a while ago in Los Angeles County last uh, one September when a magnitude of a 4.5 earthquake hit, and the triggered alert was sent to 2.2 million mobile devices. That's pretty good, isn't it? We all like to have an early warning system, right? Who wouldn't for earthquakes? Guess what? You and I have an early warning system. <laughs> 
It's right here. God is letting us know something. As a matter of fact, he says something to Peter. Jesus says something to Peter. He says, Satan wants to sift you. There's a shaking coming, folks, in our lives. Maybe multiple shakings in our lives. God is warning us about these two seeds. Beware of the seeds of denial because they can take root in the heart of any disciple whosoever. I think this happens to Peter because of his prominence, and I think this happens to Peter because Peter thinks he is the least likely candidate for doing this. He doesn't expect it at all. Folks, if we think that when we see big names in Christianity fall, if we think that that happens overnight, we're kidding ourselves. Seeds taking root, cultivated, nourished, whatever it is, beliefs, attitudes, behaviors, thoughts. Peter never saw this coming. He's a leader. He's outspoken. He's strong. He's loyal. But guess what? He is gravely mistaken. Those good things about Peter also help his downfall. We're tempted in the areas that sometimes we're strong in, aren't we? We're tempted in those areas. They become a weak spot for us. These seeds find fertile soil in a heart that is bent on its own way, a heart that refuses to submit to what God is doing in their life, and a heart that thinks that we have all the necessary strength to get things done. They can bring us to a point in our lives that you and I actually swore we would never, to, never come to. Isn't that what happens to, to Peter? He swore up and down, I will never do this. And he does just that. To the point of denying and sinning against the one whom you and I profess to love the most, Jesus. These are the seeds of denial. They took root in Peter's heart and they can, they can take root in any of our hearts. No one is immune to this. You and I can consider ourselves forewarned. And I really hope that you and I are listening to what Jesus is saying to us today. Peter wasn't, and we see what happens. Father, Lord, thank you for letting us know how dangerous sin can be. Thank you for showing us our own hearts today. Lord, I pray that if either these things or any other things that 
do not align with your will, align with your way, with your love. If they are taking root in our hearts now, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit and only your Holy Spirit, that you give us the strength to deal with those issues, that we're honest before you. Lord, and thank you that your grace is strong enough to forgive us of those sins, just like Peter, and to restore us to a wonderful place of fellowship and a place where we can truly be used by you when we're not trusting in ourselves. Lord, we just ask that you be with each one of us, help us in these ways, guide us so that we are conformed more and more to the image of your wonderful Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.